Good afternoon, Olivia Trujillo. Welcome on VH Berries. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. I am extremely grateful. How are you doing today? I'm actually doing good. How are you doing? I am very curious because in your work, you are cultivating a field beyond view with a couple of Mimulus uh, Bigavoli. <laughs> Yeah, I am. Well, I'm trying to. Absolutely, because this is one of the key elements and plants of one of your latest release in parallel with the Buttercup. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? About the Buttercup? I know about its significance in the film. You know, like she has... Uh, our lead, our protagonist, has a tattoo of it. And it's also in relation to her little sister who died in the film. So I know that, and that's about as much, that's about as good of a botanist as I, as I am. This is Olivia Trujillo. As much as you know about it, because after watching um, that feature film, uh, after an hour and 42 minutes, I want to personally convert myself into a botanist, <laughs> an expert in the scientific studies of plants. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could study plants. <laughs> They're very interesting, but I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm destined to be a botanist. But, um, you know, we'll see. We will see Olivia Trujillo. That feature film is called Borrego. And this is actually um, a new experience for you because you are entering the majestic door of the thriller genre. It was an opening to the thriller genre for me. I, I love thriller. It was really fun. There was a lot of running and a lot of you know blood and gunshots plus we were out in the desert i think anything that sort of is anxiety inducing on screen but also on set is immediately enticing absolutely olivia trujillo and i found out to come back to those plants um that this is a flower that is native to the southwestern uh, United States, where it grows in desert and sloped habitats, because uh, not only those plants are missing, but also water, because um, all the scenes are taking place in a very special climate and in the desert. Wow, you know a lot more about plants than I do. <laughs> I usually do research into films, but that was not something I did a lot of research on for our film. I know someone did though. Someone did, like, there was real, there was a lot of, you know, we kind of place the particular plant we're looking for in the desert, like it doesn't really grow there, but we kind of put it there. Um, and everyone was annoyingly careful about the plant because we only had so much of it 
that like if you lose it or it, you know we move places in the desert and you can't find it then we're kind of all screwed if i understood correctly olivia trujillo you are telling me that the crew um was bringing some of the plants maybe uh, <laughs> as a form of seed or was it just a random flower that you found um, in the landscape no no we totally we brought it it was it was there it was placed for the film i don't i don't <laughs> think that they that they picked that up in the desert we did move it also if they did find it in the desert we did pick it up and move it to where the scenery looks best Whoops, sorry. <laughs> That completely makes sense, Olivia Trujillo, because in the very first scene, uh, that flower was actually located um, a feet away from the road, which is very rare because uh, a <laughs> car could have killed her since a very long time. This is true. Yeah, it is. I mean... There's always secrets to movie making. Sorry. <laughs> There are always secrets to movie making. And Olivia Trujillo, you are entering Borrego uh, by interrupting Elise Plon's survey, but doing positive things uh, by indicating her uh, the way to reach Eagle Head Canyon. Can you tell us a little bit more about this entrance? Yeah, that was actually. It's it's funny. We actually refilmed our our meeting scene. It originally, in the film, we had a different way of meeting, and they changed it. And I I think this this version is a lot more smooth. It makes a lot more sense. But so at this point. Like Lucy and I had already kind of developed like a, over a month of relationship. So in our original meeting scene, it was our first scene together. So I'm sure it was incredibly awkward. But at this at the the reshoot and what <laughs> like what is what you see in the film, we have pretty good common ground. So we had a we had developed an, a relationship. So I feel like it's a lot less awkward though we are meeting for the first time so i guess you know the awkwardness can remain i think it's okay even true if the awkwardness uh was there <laughs> you as you just mentioned built a very strong ground and i noticed that both the flowers and the motorcycle that you are uh driving are both yellow this is a sign Okay, a sign of, I don't know if that was a sign. I'm honestly not sure. I think it was kind of unintentional. I am just finding sign everywhere. But That's one, smart, that is, one that is uh, true, I believe, is the fact that the movie begins and ends um, with that flower. And that yes. from the beginning, Uh, in contrast with the end, that plant um, has uh, been through the blooming process. It is now open. Right. That was a that is intentional. That was kind of crucial <laughs> for her to, you know, start the story with the flower with such a negative, you know, connotation of it, but then to finish the film after you know 
surviving through this whole thing. I think, you know, it is supposed to bloom and it's supposed to kind of show a shift in the way that she feels. Absolutely, Olivia Truillo. And I could add that um, in parallel of that flower blooming, your character is also going through a very tough experiences that is making her stronger and more mature, a little bit like that flower. Yes, she did go through quite the adventure. I think also growing up, you know, as an only kid and with one parent, like I didn't have a mother in the film. So I think that that also adds some sort of growth with her dad, considering through the beginning, she's actually throughout the whole movie, she's totally rebelling against everything she's supposed to. And um, which is normal for a teenager. But I think, I think the development in the way Ellie developed her personal trauma, I also developed that relationship with my dad and the way that we feel towards each other, I think really developed. It definitely really developed uh, Olivia Trujillo and you actually spent a quite important amount of time recording that uh, feature film, uh, Borrego, that was actually taking place uh, on screen in the United States, but in reality you were in Spain. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, these uh, experiences 9,350 miles away from home? It was, it's funny because it was originally supposed to be filmed in Borrego Springs, but due to COVID it changed. <laughs> And we, we switched production over to Spain, which brought a lot of different aspects to the film. A, our entire crew only spoke Spanish. They were, they're a Spanish crew. They film in Europe. They make films all over Europe. And so they only spoke Spanish, <laughs> which was fun because I was the only one of our, you know, American cast who speaks Spanish. And also, I think spending a month in Spain away from, you know, your normal life, you create much stronger bonds and relationships with the people you're working with. And I think that that ultimately, like you can totally see it on screen. We really, we were pretty close in it, honestly. We can feel that closure between all of those characters and if I understood correctly, uh, Olivia Trujillo, you mean that all the cast was speaking Spanish, including your two stunt doubles. I am talking about Julia Sintas and Xavier Subirana. Yeah, I, they, they did all speak Spanish. They were all part of, like even the stunt crew did speak Spanish. I love I love Julia so much. She is an angel and I, I admire her for everything that she did. She did a fantastic job. Everybody thought it was me. So that was, you know, she did amazing. I love her so much. I can't wait to go back to Spain and see her. You cannot wait to go to Spain to see her, Olivia Trujillo. And I am actually very curious about those scenes in motorcycles that was, I assume, uh, a very important uh, challenge because you had 
to, to ride that motorcycle on what I can call non-existent roads. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, it was interesting because I wasn't technically like really allowed to learn to ride it. I was underage and they don't want you to do a lot of risky <laughs> stunts on set when you're underage. But um, I did do some of the opening scenes when you first see me, like that is me riding it. I did as best as I could um, with what I could do, but I think everyone was a little scared. I was, I think I was 16. I think I had just turned 16 when I filmed that. And um, so I think everyone was a little nervous about me writing it, but I was, I was very excited. It's, it was huge though. It's a very large bike and it's extremely heavy. So it's hard to move. There was like people holding the bottom of the bike every time and like kind of pushing me on it because it, it was too big for like my legs didn't touch the floor. Like it was just too big for me. Absolutely, Olivia Trujillo. And one point that I really love about uh, Borrego is actually the messages because it is uh, going beyond um, the traditional storyline. For example, with the very beginning and ending title that is referring um, to a major uh, social issue, which is uh, the drug trafficking in that region. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, your perception of it and um, how it was to um, create your role uh, through these messages? I think, I think it's hard because, you know, the drug problem is a really, it's a, it's a very prevalent issue. And I don't think people recognize how prevalent it actually is and how, you know, how dangerous it is and how often people are dying from something. I think we didn't want the film to be to seem ignorant of that fact either. So I think that that was a really important you know, part to put at the beginning and the end. And to know that it wasn't just like a, type, like a thing next to the title card. There were things that a lot of us were doing outside of that, especially in my case, to work on the drug problem. I, I worked with, um, I remember being in school and working with you know, different organizations and learning about our drug problem. I don't know a lot about the drug problem in that region in particular, but in general, it is a huge issue. And I, I really don't think people are giving it the acknowledgement it really needs. It deserves a lot of acknowledgement, uh, Olivia Trujillo. And uh, when you went to the airport to join those uh, Mimulus uh, Bigelovi in Europe, um, <laughs> I believe that you saw some advertisement and some billboards in the airport, which could remind you of your past career working in advertising. Can you tell us a little bit more about that chapter that uh, led you to your current situations? Yeah, I started in commercial and print, mostly because <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> mostly because I didn't know that there was more to it than that. And I, I did spend a good, I want to say like four years 
just doing commercial and print. I worked with a lot of the same companies over and over. I spent three <laughs> months doing a Target, com- doing like a series of Target commercials, which is crazy. That was such a, that almost did feel like a TV, like a television show experience, <laughs> taking like three months. We, we didn't even film Brego, like a whole feature film it was filmed in less than three months. And that commercial scene is just very, very different than, you know, TV and film because you get to spend, it's not even really a character that you're working with. You you film for a day, maybe two, and you never think about it again. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? Sorry, someone just rang my doorbell. Absolutely. Um, and Olivia Trujillo, um, one person that is a very important and that led you to that path is also your um, sister who was initially in that field but who realized that it wasn't something that she liked to do yeah my yeah my little sister got signed to an agency a photographer took photos of the two of us and he submitted them to an agency he worked close with And they actually, they did sign my sister, but we looked pretty similar growing up. And so we would go to auditions together and I would just kind of sneak in and be like, oh, my agency forgot to put me on the list, but we're with the same agency. We're sisters. I have no clue how I got away with that. Honestly, like I have no idea, but we ended up booking a commercial. (laughs) We ended up booking a commercial together. And then her agency signed me and she quickly realized she hated being on camera. And so, but I I loved performing. Even in an audition room, it wasn't necessarily about being on camera. I just loved performing. I don't think I I fully processed that I was going to be on camera and then on TV in front of millions of people. I just genuinely loved performing. And I think it's common for actors like to feel, you know, sort of like the odd one out in their real life. So, which is kind of how I always felt. I never felt like I really fit in, in an environment I was supposed to. So to fit in in such a strange environment was really exciting. It was something new and it was enticing to almost like to feel like you were good at something. I felt like I was good at it. I was getting praise for what I was doing. And when you're a young kid, I feel like that's kind of what you crave. You crave praise and you want to know that you're doing a good job and you want to make people proud. So I felt that way and I just wanted to keep going. My sister hated it. She stopped. I loved it. And I begged my mother to drive me to LA, eight hour round trip all the time. As a matter of fact, Olivia Trujillo, you always infiltrated all the audition rooms uh, (laughs) to follow your uh, sisters. And would you say that it was a difficult transition going from commercials to television and film? How is your takes and how do you look back on that decisions? It's funny because... In reality, I am living off of an eight-year-old's decision and that in itself is a lot of pressure, which like I I grew up in San Diego, California. So my my parents were very assertive of, you know, not making, everyone was always like, why don't you move? Why don't you move to LA? 
And it was because my parents didn't want me to, at 10 or 12 years old, to move my entire family to LA. And like, it was like, what if I don't want to do it anymore? What if I hate it? And so they never wanted to put that pressure on me. But the transition from commercial to film came really quickly for me. I, once I found out that there was more to the industry than commercial, I went out and I, I got a manager. I switched agencies because my agency prior was mostly focused in commercial and print. So I switched agencies and immediately dove into everything that I could and I booked a role in a film called Reality High on Netflix. It was, it was a small role. I played a young version of somebody, but that experience changed everything for me. I, I remember working really closely with the director on that film because I was supposed to have an accent. The woman who I was portraying a younger version of has a very, very strong accent. It's almost Colombian, I think, or Spanish, like in Spaniard descent. And he also had a very similar accent. And I remember asking him if he would say the line for me and I would repeat it the way that he said it just over and over and over again because I wanted her to be perfect and I didn't want the accent to feel forced or fake. And actually, for a long time after that, people came up to me and thought that I had an accent and couldn't believe I didn't speak with an accent. Which, looking back, the accent's probably pretty bad. I've never seen it, so <laughs> I have no idea. But, um, but yeah, people did think I have an accent and that's, that changed everything. That made me feel like I could totally become someone completely different and that immediately just like a light bulb came in my head and I just that's all I wanted to do in definitive Olivia Trujillo I feel that it was also that uh, desire uh, for more challenges uh, and I mean for example um, television and film and one of your um, strongest uh, strengths that you implicitly mention is your ability to speak Spanish, uh, for yeah. example, to adapt very quickly on the set of Borrego, but also in others' uh, projects, uh, such as uh, the FAM. Uh, <laughs> I am not talking about the fam or family, but about for all mankind. Yes, I, I, I grew up speaking, it's my first language. Spanish is my first language. I went to school in all Spanish up until I was, I think, 11 years old. And like, I was never educated in English. <laughs> I spoke English in my home because my mother speaks English, but I was never educated in English. I was never taught in English until <laughs> I was 11. And I think that it, it not only opened so many doors in the industry for me. Even in commercial, I would book a commercial in English and do the Spanish version, or I'd book a commercial in Spanish and be able to do the English version. I would do both, which I think was a huge, huge benefit. And I, I definitely gained a lot from that. But in regards to For All Mankind, that was a very exciting thing because I remember, I, I vividly remember having like four auditions that day and that was like the second or third audition and I wasn't thinking a lot about it but I had spent the drive up from San Diego like translating my script. They gave me the script in English and asked that the actresses translate their script into Spanish which I think was just kind of to determine 
who really speaks Spanish and who doesn't. And I did that. <laughs> and I, I, I auditioned once. Like, I, I literally auditioned once, and that was it. And even on set, I would get my script in my trailer and have to translate my entire script. Like, they would write, they were English writers, they weren't Spanish writers. Plus, there was only two characters, really, who spoke Spanish in the film. So they had us translate our scripts. And so I, even any line I spoke in Spanish on the script was my translation. They're writing, they're writing but I did translate all of my scripts on From My Kind. Absolutely, Olivia Trujillo. And um, to uh, come back to uh, For All Mankind, it starts with a scene in the city called Paras de la Fuente in Mexico on June 26 in 1969. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, the context of this first season in which uh, you played in? Yes, I, I remember we kind of filmed all over the place and not totally in order, but I remember the opening scene for me in my first episode being really important because my, it's the only episode my mom is in. My mom dies in the first episode. Spoiler alert! Uh, she dies in the first episode. It's been out for long enough. She dies in the first episode. And, um, but her love of space and, you know, her admiration for it is clearly conveyed in my first scene and is important because it trails throughout the rest of the show. Why I have such an admiration and a love and a passion to work at NASA or to be a part of it, to be in that world, which sets the tone for the rest of the season and sets the tone for the older versions of me in the later seasons. Your character that you just described is named Aleida Rosales and we can see multiple common points between yourself and uh, Aleida. I am talking about um, your fascination and your passion for uh, what you are doing. Uh, for example, uh, at the end of season one, episode four, when you are uh, watching the launch of the rocket with your backpack on your back. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of personal connection to Aleda from me, but I think the part that touched me most about her, which was never something that I thought about when we were filming, but the impact it would have on other people watching it. I remember like getting messages or letters saying like how, how awesome it was that the little girl in them was being portrayed on screen or that they were so excited someone like them was on, was on camera and their story was kind of being told because I'm sure that there are millions of little girls who are, you know, they feel like they can't get to this place. I was an immigrant. I was, you know, a, I was a kid whose mom died with like being raised by a single dad again, which is a frequent theme for me. <laughs> um, but just that representation of feeling like all of these things are knocking you down, but having something to hold on to for her, it was space for me. It's something else, you know, but for everyone, they have something to hold on to when bad things happen to them. For me, for my character, it was space. And I think just that representation was really, really crucial. And looking back now, it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. But 
just the impact that it had on people on some people anyway is so so special and it's so sweet and i i love that people feel represented by something that i did absolutely olivia trujillo that representation is important and i hope uh, with my finger crossed that in season four we will maybe see some flash flashback scenes of <laughs> your character in her younger age so we can see you again more and um in all of the scenes um you always had this ability to uh, create and perfect your character with a lot of uh, care and time. Can you tell us a little bit more about your um, psychological training before recording? I think it's really just putting yourself in the shoes of that person. I also, I think it's funny that you say that because <laughs> I didn't work with the, if you've seen the show there's at least when i in the first season there's probably 10 main people in the show and i only worked with you know two of them i would see them in table reads and i would get so excited just by their performance in a table read let alone what they were doing on camera but i i really only worked with two of them arturo del puerto who plays my dad and um ren schmidt who plays um <laughs> you know margot madison and she plays she's kind of tied into NASA and I remember filming with her and the, just being completely mesmerized by everything that she did. She had the ability to take the most simple thing like walking into a room or brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, like just looking at you and changing <laughs> the tone of the scene. And it was the first time I'd ever done television, a scripted television series. So it, it made me think 10 times more about everything that I was doing, whether it was walking or the way I was writing, the way I was holding a book, the way I was holding someone's hand or the way I was looking at my dad. It, it made me think 10 times more about everything. I think she completely changed the way I look at acting. And it was so exciting because I was, I think I was 13 when I started that show. I was. Yeah, I was 13, I think, when I started that show, and she completely just had such an impact on my tiny 13-year-old mind. And after that, I psychoanalyzed everything that I was doing, which I think is, <laughs> I think it's almost crucial for an actor. <laughs> it is. I think it's, I think it's really crucial for an actor to almost psychoanalyze everything that you do because the characters, some characters are not so meticulous, but I think most of them they have particular traits that an actor really has to tap into in order to emanate a completely different version of themselves on camera i am going to say that from now olivia trujillo the word psychoanalyze <laughs> is going to be one of my favorite one um and it always makes the connection with a botanist who always has also to psychoanalyze. <laughs> I do psychoanalyze things frequently <laughs> in my personal life, but also like mostly in my work life, just the way that your eyes move or, you know, relaxing all of your facial expressions. Like if people tend to talk like kind of, they hold their face 
tightly and there's a different look when you relax all the muscles in your face or when you walk particularly it's it's all very very meticulous and to be that meticulous you have to psychoanalyze yourself and the character indeed uh, you uh, were thinking 10 and 11 uh, times more and i am very curious about your next step i am not talking about uh, the next step on the moon or on mars but <laughs> the one of your journey um, where do you see yourself and what are the next chapters for you i don't i don't really know exactly where i see myself but i i want to kind of step into crazy things i mean i'm i'm branching into new <laughs> things every day and i i've tapped into voiceover work a lot in the last two years um which has just been such a crazy turn i did i did a show that is coming out soon and i'm, I'm so excited about it and i just did scripted podcasting for the first time which is coming out soon as well. I'm, I'm so excited about stuff like that because you get to work with all of these people who are so passionate about what they're doing and it's also such a new thing. I feel like now I am so much more cautious in my vocal delivery on camera than I used to be just because of how particular I am with my, vo my vocal delivery into a microphone because you can't see me, my, my craft, naturally is to be seen and you can tell what i'm expressing based on like my face <laughs> and now you have to be able to tell what i'm expressing through my voice so it's such a different thing to tap into but it's something i'm so excited about um but i mean ultimately i love trying new things i'm i'm always going to be doing tv and film hopefully but voiceover is something very new for me and that's that's been a fun adventure so far after you enter the door of uh, the thriller genres, you are now entering uh, the one of the voiceover. Thank you very much, Olivia Trujillo. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. <laughs>